Hey everybody, how you doing? Corey is here and I'm here again on a very special day. You know, it's always a great day when I get to talk to someone whose work I admire very much. And uh, you know, when I say that, I sincerely mean it. And I uh, very much mean it today with that guest here, Brendan Small, uh, musician, comedian, director, uh, metal legend as some people call him now. Uh, he is the creator of the Adult Swim show, Metalocalypse, and the band Death Clock, amongst many other things. Uh, thank you for being here, Brendan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, uh, congratulations on a lot of things that are going on for you. You have uh, the, the, the Metalocalypse movie that is uh, out right now, I believe. It's out right now on uh, digital and home video, Metalocalypse, the Army of Doomstar. Also, uh, Death Clock, the band in the in the show and in the movie, but also the band in real life, which, which features you. Uh, you'll be kicking off your tour in August, I think August 30th, right here in Texas. I'm in Austin, you'll be kicking it off in Houston? Yeah, that's right, we're going out on tour with uh, Baby Metal, and we're in rehearsals right now. Nice, very nice. Um, so just to jump into uh, the interview right here and into the questions. Um, so Metalocalypse surprised me when it came out on, uh, on Adult Swim. You know, it's because it's so different from another character that you did on another show that I actually love very much. And uh, that is uh, Home Movies. Home Movies is one of the first shows on Adult Swim back in 1999. You know, Adult Swim being the you know, the more adult oriented block of uh, of Cartoon Network uh, it was about a little boy who made amateur home movies with in uh, shorts with his two friends. Um, so when I mean, get, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the way you got discovered for doing home movies, you weren't doing music at the time. You were doing comedy. Am I correct? Yeah, I was um, I graduated from Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And I'd studied there for four years. And while I was studying there and I was getting closer to graduating, I was starting to get frightened because I didn't know what I was going to do with music because nobody's looking for a guitar player. Not really. So I, while I was still at music school, I started studying comedy writing. I started writing and I started getting very, that got me on stage. That got me doing stand up and um, sketch comedy at the uh, comedy studio in Harvard where um, it's opening back up again very soon. Um, at a different location, but um, myself on stage. I was a very nervous person and I needed to kind of learn how to acclimate on stage. So um, so I started doing stand-up, threw myself right in. Nice, so you started doing stand-up at the time. Um, you know, you have so much uh, emphasis on music. You know, it's like you said, you went to, the, uh, you went to school for music. Um, did you were you putting as much effort into comedy as you were music at the time? Yeah, you know it's funny. When I was a teenager, when I was fourteen. I um, I made a friend who who, uh, who was an, a really important friend who taught me um, about heavy metal and taught me about guitar, and um, and so I took guitar very very seriously. It was more seriously than my schoolwork, more seriously than anything else. But while I was doing that, I was also writing a lot for myself. I discovered journaling, uh, writing short stories, some stuff just, just for myself. So I was taking writing 
um, I was doing it, whether or not I knew I needed to be doing it. And then, um, and then when I decided to kind of like make a shift from music to comedy, I decided to take all the, the work I had done with guitar and all the kind of practicing and apply it to writing like everything. Cause, cause I figure if you, if you can figure out the guitar, I think you can figure out anything because guitar's not easy, mm-hmm. but if you can make peace with it, it's a battle against you versus yourself. And there's a really good reason why something doesn't sound right. You just have to sort it out and you have to get your hands working, your brain working together. And I thought that's kind of similar to, to writing. Plus there are so many similarities in writing music and writing, um, writing story. There's even, I remember studying classical music, traditional harmony, where they would talk about an expository statement, meaning like the first melody. And then the rest of this piece of music has to relate to that melody. Sometimes it's the inversion, the retrograde. And then ultimately, it kind of palindromes back to that melody in some cases. And I felt that that was something that really made sense as a writer for scripts. I was watching a lot of Seinfeld at the time. Home movies, whether or not it wanted to, has a lot of Seinfeld reference into it, inside of it. And... um, but these kinds of palindromes and sneaking in kind of little artifacts that will come back and, and affect the story later on was something I learned from that. But yeah, it was all, uh, it was all kind of parallel to you know, learning more about music and taking, taking the framework of music and, and applying comedy to it. Nice. You know, it, I hear you talking so passionately about music and, and comedy also, but you know, you seem very passionate about music and I think I read that Metalocalypse when uh, when that was created. Metalocalypse was a, a kind of re- a response to the state of rock and roll at the time. And uh, so, you know, what was your mindset about rock and roll and rock music at the time? And, you know, what is your mindset about rock music right now? Well, um, it depends what genre you're really talking about, because um, something that was happening um, in the early 2000s was there was, a, there was a huge resurgence of heavy metal. And as I was getting, I was kind of falling back in love with my guitar because I was in this comedy world, but I, was, but I was also thinking about my guitar all the time. Like, when am I going to use it for something really cool? And because uh, it's just sitting there. And I really, I, I, and I'm falling back in love with it because of heavy metal, because people are really playing their instruments again in the early 2000s. And I was just going to shows. <laughs> you know, see the, um, extreme metal bands like Cannibal Corpse or um, bands like Arch Enemy or bands like Nile or, you know, all kinds of crazy, you know, really heavy bands. And um, I have a, a great deal of appreciation for it, but it made me want to play guitar again. And that's just, that's all you're looking for is a re- an excuse to play your guitar and something that drives you. Uh, and Home Movies was finished. Home Movies was a, a series that... Um, that was a delight to, to be a part of. It was such a cool crew with great, great, uh, cast members that are mm-hmm. friends of mine that I hang out with still. And, um, I really enjoyed that time, but it was time to do something very different. And I, and I didn't want to do the exact same thing as home movies because the thing about home movies is that people kind of discovered it later, but while we were making it, it wasn't performing that well. Mm-hmm. So it made me think it's not the thing for me to go back to into a world of home movies. Plus I just did it and I really liked where we left it. So I thought I'm going to do something else and it's going to be completely different because it's really fun to like playing the music, to play jazz one day and then to play heavy metal the next day. It's just a, a, a different kind of, um, it's just a different setup, you know, but it's the same notes. I think the person, uh, and, and sorry if I'm bringing up a sore point here, uh, one of the producers of Metal Oculus just passed away not too long ago, right? 
That was John Schnepp. He um, he was an important part in in the making of the show. He uh, designed the characters. He um, he designed the five characters that you see there, the uh, the band, and uh, he was a really wonderful collaborator and uh, just a crazy, <laughs> in, intense spirit in, inside of the workplace. And um, but you know, a big voice and uh, a creative creative guy. So. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's a shame he left us so soon. I'm so I'm sorry about that, but I mean, you know, the 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 legacy of this show is amazing. <laughs> that you know that and that, you know I I've seen the show so many times. I I must have seen it in uh, in reruns about five times over. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know it's, it's it plays on. Adult Swim all the time, man, especially back in the day, and they just start replaying it again. And I've seen so many, you know, episodes over and over again. So, you know, with the, with me saying that, did you did you anticipate the success of this show being this successful? Um, no, I mean, all you can do is hope that you find an audience and um, with your show, right? It's 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 something that you try to bet on when you when you make a show. Um, home movies was, <laughs> felt like it was always for us, but Metalocalypse, like the makers of home movies, it felt like it was kind of our thing for us, mm -hmm. and nobody really saw it when we were making it <laughs> until afterwards. But um, but Metalocalypse, I knew that there were other people like me out there, like kids who were discovering or kids kids, kids who hadn't discovered heavy metal yet, um, and would find it as empowering as I did. And uh, I also think there's there's a whole community of heavy metal people who really like the music and just don't get spoken to, you know, as an audience. So, so I thought maybe this is the opportunity to start a conversation, um, with, with the heavy metal audience and they arrived, which was really cool. And even though the show hadn't been on for a long time, they were still watching and our numbers were really, uh, strong. So that's why we're here today because, um, because I guess, uh, the fans stayed, uh, loyal to the show and kept on watching it. I, I, I got my reasons, but I'm going to ask you this. Uh, yeah, because I'm a, I like all music, including heavy metal. But I'm sure I'm not as much of a metalhead as you are, and as much as some of the people watching this show. And I do like heavy metal, but um, mm -hmm. but you know, so what do you what do you think the appeal is for people who might not be into metal as much as you are who watch the show? Um, well, we have one of the things that I think, you know, home movies and this, the, the parallel is that we have characters, you know, that, um, can stand on their own despite the storyline or even the kind of, uh, genre. The idea is to, to have characters that you understand. And, um, and, uh, that's, that's the main thing. It's TV. So my philosophy on TV is that, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, um, it's a friendship surrogate, you know, mm -hmm. where um, you show up every week and you hang out with some of your friends. That's why the show Friends is called Friends. But I think <laughs> that's that's what it is. I think people um, look to look to some of this stuff as um, that's why we read stories and and, and uh, continue long novels and all that stuff because I think people like to come come to get to know some people that are funny, interesting, um, odd. In our case, uh, idiots who are wrong about everything. Um, but that's part of comedy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Having wrong idiots be wrong for a very long time until you get to the finale and you have an opportunity to land their arc in a different way. Yeah. You know, I, I think you are 100% correct about uh, 
about characters. I mean, I think because once you, well, I think one of the things that really works about this show is that you you see it. It's about metal. Uh, it's very it's, you know heavy metal, and then uh, you see these characters, and you know they a, a lot of them are just don't, they don't fit the, this image of the, of metal that we think of. You know, a lot of them are goofballs, man. You know, <laughs> uh, some yeah. of them, some of them are just downright adorable. You know, <laughs> it's just it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the antithesis of what we think of with this. Also, you create these side characters like uh, Roxo the Clown, which is one of my favorites. You know, who's very quotable. So, I, you know, I think yeah. you're, you're right about that. But you know, one of the things about this show also that I want to mention. So, I I read that, and I kind of figured that this might be partly the case that Metalocalypse is heavily inspired by the band Metallica and also the documentary that, that they were in when they were in therapy. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I can see that, but, you know, unlike a Metallica show uh, that people go to, uh, half the crowd doesn't die, you know? And, and right, right, right. And so, yeah, you know. It's true. So, it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Realize people live. Yeah. Um, well, Metallica, okay, so our show is about the biggest entertainment act on earth, and they're the seventh largest economy, and they're bigger than what we knew as the Beatles. They're so big that if they uh, don't put out a record, it, it affects the actual, um, you know, it affects, it affects the world. Um, money stops flowing. It's a, tr- it's a tragedy. And in real life, Metallica is the biggest metal band on earth. And Metallica is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Some Kind of Monster was a documentary that opened up my eyes to reveal to me something that I already knew is that they're human beings. They're actually people who live and breathe and eat and uh, are vulnerable and are um, creative and intelligent and all that stuff. So that just helped, that was inspiring to me to see all that. And it would send me on a journey of discovering as much as I could about all the bands that I've kind of, um, as much as I could about any band that I could, that I could learn about. So, um, so I would go and watch other documentaries like the Aerosmith pump documentary, which I think Mm -hmm. is really great. It's about an hour long, but it's about the making of the the album, you know, with James Scott Gunn and, and all that stuff. But, um, but that was really eye opening too. And it was just deep research, you know? And if you're making a show about heavy metal or about bands, about creative relationships, it's really good to do as much research as you can. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and you're talking about, you know, in our show, people get mutilated at concerts and things like that. But it's, it, what it is is an exaggeration of things that have happened in the past. There have been disasters at concerts throughout the years. People get hurt. So we're doing an, a major exam and this whole show is a kind of a works funhouse mirror of the things that we were seeing in rock and roll history and um, the things that were kind of happening in the early 2000s on like television and stuff and celebrity culture. And this is a show about celebrity culture, but what if the biggest celebrities were an extreme metal band? First episode and everything. And that's kind of the trail that we followed until now. Okay, because I was I was going to ask you that. First of all, you know, it's great to hear about the inspiration, uh, you know, behind it and how much you really are inspired by Metallica and other bands. But, you know, I was going to ask you where did the idea come from for, you know, uh, pretty much gruesomely killing half the audience in these shows, which you know, I think that's one of the big selling points for me, how, you know, people die at these shows and they still love the experience. Like they're willing to die for this band, you know, and I, I, I thought that that well, was just a hilarious yeah. idea. 
There's something strange that happens. I mean, this is a show that kind of starts out with this band is this kind of gigantic corporate entity, but the fans treat it more like a religion, you know? And you see that with the Grateful Dead where people just kind of follow like a messiah around the, the you know, the, the planet just to see them play and just to worship them. And that's kind of, that's kind of something that happens in, in heavy metal or rock and roll or pop music culture. How about the Taylor Swift thing that's going on? Yeah. If that isn't a movement, then I, I mean, it really does happen. So we're not, we're just taking something that kind of exists and exaggerating it. And, and if people, people, in, in fact, we thought people would, there'd be lots of death and destruction. There's maybe a curse on this, uh, over this band. And we, we, we invented this idea that in, in, in order to even watch a death clock concert on the show, uh, fans would have to uh, sign a pain waiver to yeah. get in basically making the band legally kind of leaving them legal, legally unscathed from any kind of, um, destructive, you know, mutilation that could possibly happen. <laughs> so, so those are all the things that we're having. Again, it's, it's extreme. So, so we were also trying, I was thinking like, you know, in development of the show, so I really loved Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I still love yeah. it. I think it's one of the great comedy movies of all time. And there's so much violence in that movie, but it's so over the top and so unbelievable. Um, like, the the knight that's getting his arms and legs hacked off with big arterial sprays, but it looks kind of silly and he's kind of floating in the air here and there. That made me laugh so much when I was a kid and it still makes me laugh now, but that was the kind of idea behind it. So we wanted to kind of coin a phrase, uh, extreme slapstick. And that's kind of what this show, uh, embodied extreme slapstick. Um, no, I, uh, Never thought of it like that, but I can see that. I can definitely see that. I mean, it's, it, I shouldn't laugh as hard as I do, but that's one of the biggest draws to me. <laughs> Just watching these people die and and willingly, willingly <laughs> so. Uh, but you love. It sounds like you love to watch people die. That sounds. That's what I'm hearing. I, you know, uh, yes, good. yes, yes, I yes. do. You know, as okay, long as, you're owning it. Okay, it yeah, I own it. But as long as it's funny, you know, that's, if you just yeah, dying yeah. is not yeah, funny, then you funny, know, know, it's a disappointment. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, you meant your voice. So when I, you know, when I was, uh, just, I'm just thinking about this now. So listening to you as, as, as Brendan Small on home movies, yeah. you know, at the time when I was listening to this, I just assumed that that was just your voice, but, uh, you have a much deeper voice, uh, right now. Yes. So yes. were you, were, was that voice created for that character? Yeah, it was an experiment that, um, in this, particularly in the earlier seasons, we uh, put a pitch shifter on the voice because the character is supposed to be around eight, nine years old on the show, yeah. and uh, so, so I would I would do more of a character, do an exaggerated version, and kind of build a little bit more. I'd kind of lean into my more midwestern kind of accent that I you know I grew up with, and uh, and. Uh, we pitch it up and then slowly but surely we kind of like start pitching it back down and I would kind of just naturally do the voice in a higher register just to make it feel a little bit more natural. But, but that was the idea just be, because he's just meant to be a kid and he's not supposed to have a lower voice as, like an adult. Okay. So that's what I figured. You know, after listening to you, I said, they must've pitched shipped your voice. Cause I can not, not, yeah. I've been listening hard. I mean, I've been, you know, it's been great hearing, hearing the conversation. I've been fascinated by your answers. But I'm not gonna lie. Every now and then, I'm trying to find some uh, some some home movieisms in your voice. Every now and then, which I can yeah. hear right now. Um, I mean, that's a, like I said, that was a character. So I mean, it's funny. It, it is my natural speaking voice, but an exaggerated version of it, and a yeah. little bit more 
faster talking, a little bit more kind of uh, staccato, little tiny rhythms and stuff like that. Again, yeah. thinking about music and stuff, uh, offbeat stuff because he's kind of an offbeat character, things like that. Uh, so s- switching over to your tour now, as we said, your tour kicks off on August 30th uh, this month. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so and you're touring right now with uh, a band called Baby Metal. I think, are they from Japan? Yeah, they're from Japan, yeah. Can't yeah, that's, uh, that's them. They, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a really, it's a really unique show, and uh, we're excited to be touring with them because we have a really unique show, too, and I think putting our two shows next to each other, um, you know, the music is extreme, but what we're doing on stage is not like anything else you'll see at an extreme metal show. Um, they have choreography, they have these singers and who dance, and they have an ex- a really intense band behind them with visuals and everything. And our show is, um, yeah, so they are, yeah. And then our show is uh, is basically a gigantic movie theater, movie theater sized screen, and we played a picture and. Um, and what you get is uh, this really nice synergy between band and visual, and uh, and it really is like uh, uh, it's really like the, being in a, a theme park ride. That's what our show is, mm-hmm. the, the Death Clock Live. It's almost like being at Universal Studios, like uh, and going into the Terminator Two ride or something. That was <laughs> how it was meant to feel. So it's a combination of of just extreme um, music with a, a band that's really just just so tight and so good um talking about gene hoagland uh brian beller neely brosh and um and uh and then just these visuals and we're kind of more of a pit band where the ballet is behind us but we kind of brought the pit band on stage and you're not really meant to we're not the 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 stars of the show the screen is and so when we do the show the audience is looking beyond us up at the screen and uh and there's comedy and there's music and there's a whole new record that we're touring and uh old stuff that we're touring and you know the whole we're celebrating the entire kind of uh legacy of metal aquas nice tour i want to give an example of uh the two bands that are that are playing the tour of course you know you and uh and the band you're touring with, uh, Baby Metal. This is uh, this is Baby Metal, and Baby Metal. They, I guess, they're called Baby Metal because they're they're young girls, right? <laughs> and they play metal. Uh, but here's a here's an example of some of their music. There's sort of a pop element to it too, and here and here's your uh, performance at your show. So, you know, it's um, there's a similarity and there's also a difference between the two bands. So how did you go about choosing Baby Metal to tour with you? Um, yeah, I mean, everything that I just said is the reason that I that I that we chose them, because they're theatrical. We have a live visual component. Um, it's it's something that you will not get uh, at any other show. I don't think you're going to get at, at any other kind of like genre. And um, and I think we're, we are we sound different, which makes it more interesting i think you don't want to go to a show where every band sounds like they're doing the exact same thing i think um i'm sure like you say you listen to all kinds of different music uh so do i i mean my ipod shuffle will take me from like latin jazz to death metal to um you know aaron copeland to 
whatever it is. But I think that contrast is what makes each band stand out stronger. So that's another reason to, uh, to, to be on tour with them. Nice. No, very nice. I, I actually really appreciate that. It's, it's cool getting, uh, I mean, again, you know, similarities and differences, but I think it's kind of cool to get people exposed to different bands, too. Do you find you find that that's the case when you tour with somebody like Baby Metal? You find you, you know, you're converting fans over to them also? Yeah, I mean, I love I love what they're doing. I think it's also really cool. That there's kind of one person kind of putting all the stuff together and it's kind of similar what what we do, though our band is a little bit more collaborative, I think. And um, but also I think uh, what's going on in Japanese culture is always fascinating to me. So over the you know, you've done this show, your, your show over the years. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you've been, like I said, you've been you've been touring for a while and you know, you talk about how there's a certain amount of theatrics to your show. You know, you you kind of put the visuals uh, ahead of the band itself uh, to create this experience for the audience. So, you know, doing such a you know elaborate sort of show like this, how has the how has the tour changed over the years? Um, we haven't we have not. I don't tour that often. So this is the first tour I've done in about a decade. So I don't tour that often. And this tour um, is, like I said earlier, a celebration of the legacy of Metalocalypse. So we're going to have a bunch of stuff from every single record and we're going to add some stuff from the new record. And uh, so, uh, yeah, but there's, it's an animated show. So that means when you, when you decide to put in a new, new animation, you have to find a budget from somewhere. It's not like just playing a song and rehearsing it. You have to build a whole component to it. So it's not always easy. It's, um, it's difficult to make it cost effective. And so that's part of the challenge of, of going out on tour. And fortunately we have, a bunch of stuff we haven't done in a very long time so this is almost somewhere between a here we come here we are bring out a new record a new movie and um and we're also celebrating the past so that's that's what the show is i, I didn't realize that you were making uh animation specifically for the show i didn't i didn't know that i thought you were taking images from the show itself you mean the cartoon I'm, I'm show, sorry right? yeah the cartoon yeah i thought yeah, yeah i thought, I thought you, yeah, yeah i didn't know yeah, you the were TV doing animation show, yeah. specifically for the for the concert or the tour that's really cool yeah, I mean that's that's what we've always done. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't been to a show yet, and I've been saying for years I'm going to uh, I'm going to make it out. I'm uh, now that you're in Texas, I'll probably well, try to make the show uh, over in Houston, man. Um, well, if I, if I can't convince you to come to the show, I don't know how I'm going to convince anybody else to come to the show. So now you have to come to the show. Um, you have to come because this, hey, I'll say this also: this is the old "get it while it's hot" tour. I don't know how many times we're going to do this, so. Um, We'll, uh, we're going to go and do this one time. We don't have anything else scheduled beyond this, but this is like the, uh, this is the death clock tour. So if you want to see us, this is the time to see us. And, uh, our tickets are, are selling quickly. So you got to get in there. So I better hurry up. There you go, people. You, you know, better I, hurry up. I've yeah. been, I've been called out in front of everyone right now. So yeah, I'm I have calling to go you see out. the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I better see, I better see you there. Uh, yeah. There you go, yeah. people. If I'm not here doing a show, I'm over watching Death Clock, man, because I've been I've been pretty much pumped out to do it. So, you know, I got I got to be there uh, now. You got to do it. Thinking about seeing it, thinking about seeing it. you got to see it. You got to see it. You know what? Here's what is the great thing about a heavy metal show. If you've never been to a heavy metal show before, this is a great opportunity because because I think people are afraid of heavy metal and they shouldn't be because it's, it really is a lot more inclusive than you think it would be. And all you have to do to join the club is to buy a ticket and you're just in the club 
and it's that cool. And if you show up at any show from, you know, Metallica to Slayer to Anthrax to Black Sabbath to whatever it is, you're in the club. If you show up, you're in the club. Yeah, you know what? You were right. And that goes for all kind of metal, man. I was I was at a new metal festival uh, a couple oh, yeah. of months ago in Las Vegas, this thing called the Sick New World Festival. And I, you know, it's I've never been invited more politely to do violence. You know, there was like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like a guy was sitting next or standing next to me and we're in the hot sun. He's like, hey, bro, um, we're gonna start moshing. Do you want to join us? You know, when they ask so politely, you have to do it. <laughs> so, it is yeah, a, very, you know, they, a very polite way to ask. Yeah. Well, that is like some people think that, you know, if, you know, I don't want to go and get roughed up at a show or anything like that. But the people that don't want to mosh at a heavy metal show don't have to. No one's being forced to. They're being politely asked. And if somebody falls down, the whole group picks them up and brings them back in yeah. because it's just meant to be fun. And that's the great thing about heavy metal is that it's, you know, every I think a lot of people have a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have an, have a way to kind of to 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 get the aggression out in a in a way that that is healthy. And heavy metal is gives you a, a great outlet for that, and it also gives you a feeling of empowerment. And yeah. um, a lot of people use it almost like therapy. You know, that's what heavy metal really is for a lot of people. And um, and it's also you know it's a it, they're darker themes and darker topics and things like that. But that's also really exciting. Like scary movies are really exciting stuff like that. So that's why I'm always a proponent for getting people into heavy metal. If I hadn't, if I hadn't discovered it, I don't know that I would be me. You know, if I, if I, at that crucial age, uh, being a, you know, a teenager discovering this stuff, um, it gave me something that was mine. Um, it helped me sculpt out my personality. Uh, um, and uh, I really needed that at the time, and I still need it, you know, as as an adult. But um, but that's that's all. That's those are the benefits of heavy metal, adding that into your life. Yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, I, I, that that brings up an interesting question here because, you, you know, it, you, I've I've read several places that now you are revered as a as a metal legend, as I said at the beginning of the interview, and. Uh, you know, first of all, how do you feel about that? And, and second, uh, how much do you feel Metalocalypse played into your 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 musical career right now? You know, what would you have done differently if Metalocalypse hadn't happened? First of all, I don't know how people see me. That's up to them. My world is very small. Um, I have uh, uh, <laughs> I don't I'm a I'm an indoor person. I have a group of friends that don't revere me in any way whatsoever. <laughs> I have a dog that doesn't revere me. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that is. I go on stage every once in a while. And uh, that's where it gets really exciting because I've got a show. I, I get it. If I'm performing, that's, that's the time to applaud. But outside of that, I am not interested in uh, uh, being revered. But um, secondly, if Metal Aquips hadn't happened, I don't think I I would be known for music at all. I think I would have a guitar and I would play it and I would still have this personal relationship with my guitar and music that I still have outside of Metalocalypse. I'm always trying to get better as a guitar player. I'm always trying to work on um, just just uh, understanding the instrument better, um, furthering the journey. It's really, I, I love music that much that I don't, I didn't need the career for me to still be in love with it. Okay. So you, but I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it makes, I'm glad it makes people happy and I'm glad it, uh, it, it really, um, touches people. And, and, and 
from the person that makes it to the person that receives it. Those are just two different kinds of relationships. I know that I have my musical heroes that really um, that have really changed my life. And um, and when I whenever um, I get to meet them, I try to tell them that. And uh, and uh, maybe they understand that, and maybe they don't. But um, like I said, for me, uh, I'm just a guy waiting for the bus, basically. So not to <laughs> well, you, me. I'm just some dude. Yeah, you're very humble too, and that's 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 very cool, you know. And, uh, but you know, a lot of people do look up to you as a very you know, talented musician, and uh, I think you you become a hero to, to a lot of people. I'm I'm going to ask you something that you probably get asked a lot, and I'm going to ask this at at the risk of asking you something that you probably are getting sick of hearing. But I'm you know I, I want to know anyway. Um, especially looking at your stage show, and I'm looking at the setup here. I'm looking at how you have animation in the background, the banners in the forefront. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. I, you know how how many times have you been compared to uh, gorillas? Uh, gorillas is a virtual band where they use animated characters as their front, and I, yeah. you know, and I've been to several shows where they have the same setup as you. So I'm, I'm, I imagine you get gorillas comparisons a lot, being that you know you have an animated band as your front too. I think that is a worthwhile comparison, but they did it first and. And uh, they are the inspiration to our live show. So let me take you back a few years when uh, back to like when we were first doing the first season of the show. I thought, okay, I've got this show. I'm going to challenge myself to write a script and to write original music for every episode. And if by the end of this, uh, you know, these first 20 episodes, if it's doing well, maybe I can take these songs from these episodes, elongate them and put them all on a record. And if I put a record out, then would I be able to tour? How could I tour? Well, what did the gorillas do? And then I look at the gorillas and they're at the time they were playing behind a scrim. Yeah. And I thought, you see their shadows. And, um, and, uh, I thought, okay, well, only by the time I had even thought of that or doing it, they'd already been doing that too. So I think they beat me to the punch and everything. And it was a really good idea on their part. So I, I have to say, um, the idea 100% came from the gorillas. I did not come from, up with that idea. But the idea for us was to do something that is, of course, a little bit more intense. And uh, the music is more intense. And there's a little bit more of a comedy uh, component to the whole thing. So so that was the idea. But yeah, gorillas are intensely talented, as we all know. And the animation is gorgeous that they do. So um, I think they're an inspiration. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I love gorillas, and I think that kind of is what is what drew me into uh, you know being interested in in what you do when you're touring because you know I, I kind of love the whole thing of having you know the animated band be the center of attention, you know, and the the, the real band taking a kind of you know a small step back. That's that thought. That's a great concept. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, our joke is that we're not Death Buck. We sound exactly like that. <laughs> we aren't the band Death Buck. The band Death Buck is a figment of our collective imagination. Um, we're the Metalocalypse players. That's what we say. <laughs> we're about to wrap things up here, but you know, just a couple of things before we go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, I'm surprised to learn about the things that you've done, you know, and, and you know, I, don't, I don't know for sure, but cause I didn't, you know, I'm just not learning this, but uh, you play guitar on the cover of Blue Oyster Cult's uh, Godzilla. Uh, and you've also you play with some musicians that that I like very much. Uh, you play guitar for Flying Lotus, I think a couple of tracks, including uh, 
I did, yeah. Turkey, turkey dog well, coma. Yep, yeah, on uh, Your Dad, Flying Lotus, and uh, Thundercats on that record, too. And uh, I think uh, Flying Lotus and, uh, individually is uh, a really just uh, super cool and creative person and just... Um, I think follows his creative spirit in a really magnificent way. And mm -hmm. it's cool to see him directing and it's cool to see him doing all this stuff. I, I really admire him and Thundercat too. Thundercat who, you know, uh, who does a voice in the movie in the army of the doom star movie, um, is, uh, ridiculously talented in an upsetting way, just so talented. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so irritatingly talented that I don't know what to do with him. He uh, he also, you know, we we know him as, you know, this uh, avant-garde kind of neo-soul kind of. Um, but he was in suicidal tendencies first. He was in a really heavy metal band for a long time. What? And, um, well, and Thunder so, Cat was yeah. in suicidal tendencies. Yeah. See, nobody knows that, but I do, and I know that he loves heavy metal, and I know that he loves, you know. And I love what he does, man. I have all his records, and I, I listen to him all the time. I think he's so talented. I love his voice. I love his playing. But um, yeah, it, you know, being on this the Flying Lotus record uh, and collaborating with him, whenever he calls, I'll I'll drop everything I'm doing and, and work on something. But that that makes me look very cool. And by the way, Godzilla King of Monsters. That's Bear McCreary who scored that, and I do a lot of work with Bear McCreary. Over the years, uh, we did a one-hour-long rock opera special with a 50-piece orchestra, and um, Barry McCreary uh, helped put that whole thing together. In fact, I used his whole team, Sparks and Shadows, to do the film score of the Army of the Doomstar soundtrack, where we got you know an orchestra to play with us too. And I have synthesizers. It's a really cool score that comes out this week as well, um, and I'm really proud of that score. And it sounds very different than heavy metal. It's more of like a synthesizer and orchestra and uh and a feeling like a classic film score like uh, something like dark fantasy kind of stuff from the 80s so so all that stuff is really fun the, uh, playing um the godzilla uh, <laughs> king of monsters playing playing that that song by the way it's one of the coolest songs blue oyster calls such a great band it's such a great inspiration but that is one of the coolest guitar riffs and i think a lot of guitar players will agree with me that the godzilla riff is one of the coolest riffs in the world and uh and basically it was the death clock band myself gene hoagland brian beller and then serge from system of a down sang on it and it's just so cool um to have been involved in that and just just a little bit in that movie was really awesome I, I agree with you. The that that riff for uh, Godzilla is is amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah, it is one cool. of my. Yeah, it's, it definitely is one of my favorites, man. Uh, so, yeah. and so it's cool that you you know you got to play that uh, for the film. You know, um, you know, musician comedy. Now you're even directing. Uh, you, I think you directed this video for the damn things. Uh, we got oh, a situation here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with with. Uh, you do so much and now you're directing videos. Do you uh, do you think that you'd ever want to direct a, a, a live action feature film? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 kind of why I mean, that's why there's such a great bonus to do this Metalocalypse finale. I did one for uh, Necrogoblicon, which is really crazy with this prosthetic goblin that was really cool. I did one for Galacticon, which is another project that I do. Um, called the agenda, which is where I get to use practical effects and really cool stuff and play with lenses and move the camera around. It's so nice 
after being in animation for so long to get out of the house and get your hands dirty and get behind a camera. And that's just what I love. And that's what I study all the time. So, so that's what I'm going to, that's where I'll be pushing. Uh, I have ideas for scripts and stuff like that that I'm going to be working on, even though, you know, even while I'm on this tour, I'm going to be kind of pushing for that to be the next thing. Okay. So at some point we will see a Brendan small directed movie feature length film at some point down the line. Yeah, well, you already got one. It's called Army of the Doomstar, and then you'll see more, hopefully. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, I was, and I'm speaking live action at this point, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Live action. Yeah, live action is like a treat after having to construct every single frame and every single moment and every single movement mm -hmm. in animation. It's a very um, worthwhile but tedious process. As all this stuff is, guitar is a tedious process, but uh, it yields really cool things. Nice. Uh Lastly, uh, I don't know if this is something that I should bring up, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, back in 2006, you posed for Playgirl. I didn't even know Playgirl still existed, man. Back in, I, I, you know. Uh, if you're showing a picture, I can't see it. And, and if you are showing a picture, I, uh, I'm, I apologize to anybody who's watching this. Um, yeah, that was a comedy issue. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think the context <laughs> may have gotten lost over the years. But uh, that was a comedy issue. And it's really funny because... It came out and there were no repercussions whatsoever. Somebody said, "It's you know, everything I do in comedy is usually some kind of a stupid dare. Or yeah, yeah. you look back and you go, oh, God, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And, um, and, uh, and you know, but, I, but at the same time, I was terrified when it came out that people would think I was serious or something. But it was a comedy issue. And so uh, my mother finally called me and she said, I understand you're in Playgirl. And I was like, Mom, don't. Just don't, don't even, why are you bring this up? <laughs> and she said, well, I, I bought the issue. And I was like, mom, what kind of a weird thing is this? Why would you, why would you get an issue of your son mostly naked inside of something? <laughs> and then, then she said, well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. She goes, I understand it was tasteful. And she says, uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't watch, I didn't look at it because I couldn't get past the few, first few pages of erections. <laughs> so, uh, so there's the only repercussion that's yeah it's still uncomfortable to this day yeah and uh, you know um, what? I thank think, you hey, yeah i think people realize it is comedy though that's why i brought yeah, up yeah, I, you know i didn't I, think I, you, I think yeah 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 not, you know that's I, yeah. I thought we'd get a good laugh out of it because it is comedy we, you yeah, know, yeah. was aware um, hey, I want to say thank you for taking an interest in, in all the stuff that I'm doing right now. And uh, I, I hope to really see you at the show. Um, I've got to go to rehearsal uh, for this for this tour I'm about to do. And I don't want to be late and make the band wait for me. But uh, I have to leave right now. And I, I just want to say thank you again for taking an interest. And uh, and it was really nice talking to you. No, no. we were. That was my last question anyway. So this ended oh, at the right wonderful. point. So no, no, you know, again, well, thank you for taking the time. And uh, I'm going to jump on getting tickets today for the show in Houston. Thanks. So thank you so much for taking the awesome. time and doing this. I appreciate it. In Houston. Awesome. Thank you very much. All, All right. right. Cool. Talk I'll, to you later. I'll see you. Bye bye. All right. Bye. See ya. And there he goes. So I had some problems. Well, I don't know if it was me or on his end. I think the problem was on his end. Uh, the Internet. You can hear it going in and out. So this is going to be somewhat edited by the time we put this up, which is a good thing that we didn't do this live. But still, still a lot of great answers in there. A lot of great stories, uh, 
a lot of stuff that I learned. And I want to thank uh, Brendan Small for being here. And I am going to try to make it to that show. Uh, I've been wanting to go to one of these shows for a while. And um, I mean, guy's so nice that I just want to go because he was, he was just so cool anyway. Uh, but we have plenty more interviews like this coming up somewhere. We, had a, we, have a, we have a channel that we put them on, but I'm thinking about putting these in other places. So you'll see them somewhere. And we have a lot of them. You can go to uh, Double Toasted Interviews and see the archive of interviews that we've done so far. And as I said, no telling. You might be able to see them somewhere else because I'm just going to start expanding these out a little bit more. But you should go check them out, man. You know, uh, Brendan Small was cool. And I've been very lucky to talk to a lot of people that were also just as nice and cool as he is. And speaking of nice and cool, thank you for supporting what we do and watching this and everything else. So with that said, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much. I want to thank our guest again, Brendan Small, for being here. And we'll see you on the next one, whenever that is. Until then, you know the deal. Kcoolmans at gmail.com. That is K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. Email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and advice. Hit us up on those social medias. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Patreon, anything else that we have out there. You can just put in Double Toasted and it'll take you right to it. Also, if you find yourself here in Austin, Texas, I'd like for you to do me a favor because I know you want to come hang with us. But before you do that, before you do that, email us first, kcoolmans at gmail.com. I'll tell you before, I'll tell you one more time, kcoolmanz at gmail.com. We want you to email us because when you get here, we want to make sure that we are able to spend as much quality time with you as possible. Clear our schedules ahead of time for you. And so whatever your plans are for Austin, whether you are moving here or just passing through, let us know and we will do our best to hang out with you. All right, everybody. Again, I want to thank uh, our guest today, but I want to thank you because without you, this would not have been possible or anything we do wouldn't be possible. So until the next time, Good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to or whenever you're watching this, goodbye and stay toasty.